The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Chaos episode 177, The Last Word on The Last Jedi. Hey, everybody, thanks for uh, checking us back out here at Geekish Cast. Uh, I've been kind of hit and miss lately again. For those of you who have been listening lately, you know that there's been a lot going on in my personal life, which means I haven't had a lot of time to record. But instead of focusing on that, tonight we're going to focus on The Last Jedi. Um, we are going to take a quick commercial break right now, and we're going to come back with my friends Dan Faustin, Chris Saunders, and Daniel Swenson. Let them do a quick intro. And then we will either build up or shit all over The Last Jedi. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to our advertisers. I always appreciate it. My dogs appreciate it. And my car appreciates it. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy. And joining me today in seat number one is author Daniel Swinson. What's happening, Daniel? Hey, how's it going? Well, you know, fair, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is this the part where i introduce myself it is why don't you tell us a little bit about author daniel swinson daniel swinson. well uh, i as you have have heard is i'm author daniel swinson um i'm a freelance writer and a fantasy author i have one full-length book out called uh Orison, which is available on your platform of choice and i'm currently doing a monthly pulp magazine uh, called Masks and Mysteries with Joshua Unruh, who's a great writer and a really great creative partner. And we're really excited about it. It's Pulp Heroes set in the 1930s with kind of a more modern twist. So that's it. Yeah. You, and by more modern, you mean a little more inclusive and di- diverse in cast, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. Because I read the, fir- the first book or two, uh, the first story or two, and I liked them quite a bit because I'm a big Green Hornet fan. So I always love mm-hmm. stuff along those lines. Yeah, thank you. That's one of our inspirations, that, and like Rocketeer and all those other kind of things. Absolutely. All right, sitting in chair number two is Chris Saunders. What's happening, Chris? What's up, man? Uh, yeah, I'm the, I guess I'm the host of um, the Nucleus, a Fallout fan podcast. Um, and I just started um, Only Hope Gaming, which is uh, another podcast about the game Star Wars Destiny, as well as like, we make um, alternate art cards for for that game, and we're hosting a local tournament here in Portsmouth, Virginia, on April seventh. So, right on, and you were all. Got, I was got a lot say, of stuff. You you got well, yeah, and I know you have a third podcast in the works, but we'll we'll have you on when that's a little more put together, so we can talk about that. But you were also the original creator and one of the first hosts of the Return to Camp Blood Friday the 13th podcast as well. Yes, that's true. Um and last year I handed the the reins over to to Nate who's continuing to put out episodes and that that show is almost 3 years strong now off of Friday the 13th. <laughs> Pretty amazing. 
pretty amazing. All right. And also sitting in chair three tonight, I guess the drummer's position there is uh, Danimal. What's happening, Danimal? What's up, Jeremy? Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for uh, yeah. making the time to come in. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a drummer, an audio engineer, a database engineer, multi-instrumentalist, um, and I love Star Wars. So, yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's that's kind of what I was shooting for here. We we had an episode when the uh, the Last Jedi was originally released. I th- we had like seven or eight people on. I think it was a little too ambitious because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did talk over each other a lot. And one of our guests was Canadian, so he never even got a word in edgewise. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. So let's do this real quick. I'm just gonna just a quick answer. I'm gonna ask everybody kind of what your introduction to Star Wars was, and then we'll dig into this movie. So let's go in reverse order. Danimal, how did you first discover Star Wars? Oh gosh, uh, it must have been you know as a kid. I uh, I remember like, one of the first um, memories that I have of going to the movies was of uh, uh, I think Return of the Jedi. So uh, you know, but I, I know that you know since I was you know four or five years old, I've I've been into you know the Star Wars movies. Like the the uh, New Hope came out when, you know the year that I was born. So like you know it was it was just. One of those things, like I, I, I know that my my entire family was into it, and I started getting into it, and uh, you know, as much as much crap as people talk of the, about the sequel or the prequels, I should, still, I, I was still kind of a fan of those two, um, you know, going all the way up through, uh, through through my life, kind of being into it. So, um, yeah, just just love it. I'm, you know, not just Star Wars, Star Trek, and all that stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, how did you first discover Star Wars? Um, pretty similarly. Um, you know, my dad showed me them when I was a kid and took me to the theater to see the re-release of the um the OG trilogy when they came out with the remastered versions. Um, I've seen all the the modern movies except for the prequels, but um. Yeah, once I when I when I started playing Star Wars Destiny last year, um, and they started coming out with all these characters I'd never heard before from Star Wars, I, I felt like I didn't know enough about uh, Star Wars in general. So that that third show that you were alluding to is a Star Wars watch through uh, podcast. Um, I just watched episode one the other night, and we're set to record the first episode of that tomorrow night, and that'll feature. Um, my partner at only with uh, Only Hope Gaming and and my wife uh, sitting in on that one, so um, yeah, so the the you know the the game has made me want to get more you know in depth with the with the whole canon and all that. So starting down that road here, starting tomorrow. Right on. And Daniel Swenson, how about you? How'd you discover Star Wars? Uh, I saw it first run in the theater. And it was the first movie that I ever saw in the theater as a, as a young kid. Um, and I actually got into the action figures quite a few months before I had a chance to see it in the theater. Um, cause my parents knew that I was into, you know, space stuff and all that kind of thing. So they, my mom bought me a whole bunch of action figures and I actually had a few months to like make up my own Star Wars canon before I saw the movie and had it all, you know, blown away. Oh yeah, well it's that's kind of awesome actually. Yeah, well I was going to say because that's <laughs> Daniel, you must be you were born in the first half of the seventies then, right? Not that yeah, I would ever right. ask somebody their specific because that's very similar <laughs> to my own story is that we had the toys once they were released 
then you saw the movie and you're like, oh, and you already knew who everybody was. I remember as a little kid that blew me away. It's like, I have never seen this movie yet. I know who each of you people are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that yeah, was kind of universe. Uh, mm-hmm. In my universe, Greedo ran everything. He was the boss. Oh. And boy, I was in for some disappointment when I saw the movie because yeah. he didn't last long. It's funny you mentioned Greedo because I think I still have my Greedo uh, action figure from you know when I was six or seven. It's oh, it's nice. in a drawer here somewhere. Yeah, it's uh, I, I think I took a picture of it and like, posted it on Facebook not so long ago. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's that's very. Yeah, very similar to my story. Of course, I, I grew up in Modesto, California, which is where George Lucas is from. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, my mom went to high school with him at the Downey High School here in Modesto. I had already seen, you know, like, movies that stood out to me are, like, Enter the Dragon, Billy Jack, and Star Wars. Those are the ones I remember seeing as a kid. And, oh, sure. Yeah, and Star Wars, is well, you know, I've got the Millennium Falcon tattooed on my arm, and it says, never tell me the odds. Star Wars. Did, did you did you see did you see the version that didn't have the um the story scroll up at the beginning because yeah. when they first well when it, they first released it that wasn't there that's not true it had a it had a word roll up but it didn't say chapter four a new hope it just said Star Wars and started up oh okay yeah see I remember seeing a new hope but I can't I can't rely on my own memory going that far back. So I don't know. Yeah, I've definitely had to fill in and get some historical information. Um, but, yeah, I, I do remember because right before they released, you got to remember when we were young, they would put a movie back in the theater for another year if it did well. Oh, they, yeah. Yeah, they don't do that now. So before they released <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, they re-released Star Wars, but now it's called Star Wars A New Hope Chapter 4. Mm-hmm. And I remember me, I had a cousin about my age, and we were all like, holy shit, there's more movies. We're missing something. <laughs> There's three more of these out there. So anyhow, guys, so we are here to talk more specifically about The Last Jedi. Um, I'm going to do just a quick first impression because I know we all saw it in the theater and then saw it again on home release. Uh, Chris, what did you did your opinion on this movie say pretty much the same between seeing it in the theater and watching it again at home? Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, I think. Watching the new Star Trek series kind of made me pay more attention to um, the elements of the film because, like, I remember when Into Darkness came out, the the second Star Trek film, uh, and w- when I was watching it in theaters, you know, I was kind of blown away by it. And then I got home and and thought about it some more and realized I didn't like it all that much. Um, <laughs> and so and so that made me kind of watch these new Star Wars movies with a with a more critical eye. Um, but I mean, overall, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie itself. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, and I, I don't think my opinion of, of certain things, um, changed at all from watching it again. If you were to, if you were to rate this movie, uh, one to five, where would you put it? Um, in terms of a star Wars movie. Yes. Uh, probably about a four. Okay. Um, Danimal, how about you? I mean, did your opinion on this movie change and what would you rate at one to five? You know, I'd have to say that it did. Um, I, I remember I went to the theater and I watched it and I was with my wife and, uh, and when I came out, I, I remember looking at her going, man, I think I might be getting too old for these movies because I'm just, I was thinking to myself, this is just like cheesy fied Disney bullshit. But, um, 
I have to say, like after after watching it a second time, I, I you know when I went and bought the film and and watched it a couple nights ago. It, um, I kind of I didn't really go into it like with such a critical eye. I kind of just I I went for, you know, um, like the quality of the story and and like just just judging it on its own merit. Um, I have to say, like I was I was a little bit more impressed this time, like especially with, uh, you know, with how. How they portrayed Luke, I think, is like it was one of the the more kind of real um, the way that they you know the way that Luke kind of aged and got all grumpy and and uh, you know like in his old age he was just kind of a, a curmudgeon. I thought that was like perfect for him, like this in terms of like Luke, you know, going from this this young kid as uh, you know in A New Hope, you know. Just, waiting to break out and get it out in, into the universe and, and test his, uh, his metal or whatever to, to the last Jedi. The last Jedi was basically just him completely beaten up by life and, uh, and you know, all of the crap that he's been through. And, um, I don't know. I just thought that, uh, I thought that it was pretty well written for him. Yeah. yeah um, uh, you know, I don't know if I should go ahead and chime in a little bit or, you know, I'll, I'll hold this. Daniel, what were your, did you have a change of opinion at all on this? And what would, oh, I'm sorry, Dan, one to five. How many lightsabers would you give this movie? Um, I'm, I'm with Chris. I would give it, I would give it four. Okay. Point. Yeah. And then Daniel, I'm, I'm going to try to remember to make you guys sound as different as I can <laughs> as I do this. But, um, <laughs> again, I, you know, my question to you is, you know, did your opinion of this movie change between seeing it in the theater and seeing it again at home? And on uh-huh. a one to five, how many would you give it? Only a little. Um, when I was finished watching it, I, I went and saw it with my wife. And when we walked out, I, I was kind of sitting in the car quietly. And she said, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I said, uh, I think I, I'm not sure I'm going to have to see it again, but I think this might be my new favorite Star Wars movie. And after I saw it on video, I, I it definitely is. So, wow. it, uh, yeah, so I'm going to give it five. That's that's pretty strong. Um, see, me, when we left the theater... I said, I don't know what to think about this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was all right. I don't know if I care for the way the humor was used. Um, I probably would have given it a two and a half or a three upon that viewing. And then when I watched it at home, and the other thing is I didn't go see it at the theater again, which is unlike me. Normally, a movie like that, I'll go see two, three times, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't do it this time. I waited for it to get to home via home video, and I watched it, and now I would rate it a solid four. Um I think my expectations, what I wanted it to be, didn't matter anymore, and it could just simply exist now. Yeah. I can see that. I can see how you can say that. Yeah. Like, I wasn't trying to make, you know, I wasn't, because I'm over here hoping that there's going to be an awesome, like, the Knights of Ren scene and a Snoke reveal and that she's going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi's <laughs> daughter, and I had all this shit in my head, and mm-hmm. none of it happened. Um <laughs> So I don't know if maybe one of you guys wants to give us an idea of what your expectations were the first time you saw it and what you were, if maybe, maybe not disappointed by, but you, you were hoping they would have addressed and didn't. I just want to say real briefly that all the stuff that you just said, the fact that none of that happened is why I love it. And see, and now my second viewing, that's what I liked about it too, because they gave us everything they, that they wanted or they said we wanted when they made the prequel trilogy. And that was shit on toast, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, I just oh, got God. finished watching episode one, and the only thing in that movie stupider than Jar Jar Binks is Obi Wan's haircut. It's it's a pretty bad haircut. Um, but well, Chris, since since you chimed in there, was there anything that you wanted to see in the Last Jedi that they didn't get to, or I mean, what was there anything that let you down, or any any comment you want to make along those lines? Um, I think the I I really wanted to see um a reveal of the backstory for Ray. Um, I kind of don't trust what Kylo said in there about them being nobodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it may turn out to be the case, but, um, I don't think that, um, to, to me, that's the thing I was hoping for. And I, I don't think, um, I don't think we got it. Um, again, I mean, it could turn out that Kylo was telling her the 100% truth. I just, I didn't get that feeling. I think he was trying to say whatever he could to, you know, get, get her on his side. Yeah. Well, and you know, that actually mirrored something for me when I was a little kid and saw Empire at the theater. And, you know, it was before internet spoilers and nobody knew. And I remember people, grown people leaving the theater going, holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) And I remember like at my parents' parties, I remember adults going, I don't, I don't think Darth Vader's really his father. I think he's just fucking with him. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> oh yeah, like that was in newspapers. Like that was that was showing up like on the news and, and stuff like that. Like up through Return of the Jedi, like yeah. there's still a question. Yeah, it was it was pretty incredible. And that's actually I, I hear a lot of people chime back to. Well, I don't think Kylo was telling her the truth, and that's for me that is absolutely what seats my feeling to Empire with this. I I know they weren't trying to make something that quote unquote rhymed with Empire. But there are a lot of scenes in here that do, and I really like that on the second viewing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. For yeah. me, like um, between like Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, I'm re- I was and in terms of you know the Last Jedi, I I was really expecting like a more of a Snoke reveal, and I I was really kind of disappointed to see it. He went you know the way of Darth Maul. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it was it was that was to me was like the most like, anticlimactic and disappointing piece of the film for me. But um, oh man, you know, I, I really wanted that. to know like cause, like after Emperor Emperor Palpatine, you know who is this guy Snoke and like how all of a sudden did he go from being like non-existent to you know leader of the of the the First Order? Like how did that even happen? What is you know where did that all happen? And and you know um. How did Kyle, how did he influence Kylo Ren when he was still like a teenager? You know what I mean? Has the First Order been around that long? I don't know. I was just uh, for me that was the that was the big thing for me. I was really kind of expecting more with Snoke. I feel like yeah, there's a strong here. possibility that that with Disney doing a a Star Wars film every year in perpetuity, I feel like uh, Kylo and the Knights of Ren, the standalone movie, can't be far away. Mm. No, you might be onto something. I love those designs so much that I'm just like, show me more about them. Because I, I don't care about the Jedi and the Sith anymore. Show me the future of the Star Wars universe. That's the way mm-hmm. I feel about it. Um, yeah, you know, and a lot of people. I'm sorry, who did we we cut somebody off there? Was it Chris? Oh, I, no, I think it was me. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. No, no. Um, I'll say that the only thing that. Uh, that I was disappointed with at first, but which I've kind of come to terms with is the fact that 
Captain Phasma never really gets her chance to be awesome. Like, uh, she just kind of dies ignominiously in this one. And then the first one, she didn't really have that much to do either. And then I realized she's basically the Boba Fett of this trilogy. Mm, I was going to say, like, <laughs> does that remind you of she, anybody else? She, yeah, right. exactly. No, I mean, it took me a while to get to there. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, she's got the cool armor. And she has like four lines. And then she dies a dog's death. She's Boba Fett for mm-hmm. sure. Like, like the cachet is there, but she never really gets to do anything. Gets that's, dropped, that's dropped really in a hole and farted out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, so I wasn't I wasn't wild about that because I thought there was a potential there. Like that whole thing between Finn and Phasma is underdeveloped. Like they had the I don't know if any of you watched the deleted scene that has like the alternate final scene between the two of them. I have not. It's, no, it, I haven't either. It's, it's good. I think I, it's not perfect, and in some ways I can kind of see why they cut it. But he actually has a confrontation with her, and they have this whole little tiny arc before before he dispatches her and it's it's still not perfect but it's so much better that i really wish they'd left it in but uh they cut it for time apparently yeah i the the parallels between boba fett and phasma have been so strong i've been talking about those since the force awakens Mm -hmm. because you do you get this badass looking character who doesn't do a damn thing um of course, Daniel. You, well, Daniel, you and I are old enough to remember when Boba Fett was the mail-in order only character. Oh yeah. And when oh. you see, there's a number of things with Boba Fett that I think struck boys our age in a certain way. His color palette is the same as the Clint Eastwood "Man with No Name" character. Mm-hmm. When he first steps into the room in, in the dinner scene in Empire Strikes Back. And you guys will probably say I'm full of shit, but I, I challenge you. Go listen. You'll hear it. When he first steps in the room, you'll actually hear a spur hit the floor. <laughs> oh, God. i got to go back now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I have to go back and watch it. Because I, I tell people this all the time. Because I think what happened is we were subliminally programmed to go like, that's a bad motherfucker right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, it, it, myst- the mystery of him was the thing. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything that he did. It's like, I, I feel like that's. I don't want to be like gatekeepy here, but I feel like that's kind of difficult to explain if you weren't a kid during that time. And there's like a real lack of Star Wars. There's like there's like the movie and Splinter the Mind's Eye and nothing else. That was it. Like all you had was whatever kind of headcanon you could fill in yep. in in the four years between movies or whatever it was. And uh so he had like a cachet, like it wasn't necessarily that he did anything cool. He just he just looked cool, and he didn't know anything about him, and that was kind of enough at yeah. the time. Yeah, and I I think they use color and sound to let us know like this is the man with no name in space, and we all just kind of <laughs> went like, damn right it is, they're right there. But yeah. you know that makes me wonder something. If Boba Fett, you know, I'll use a pro wrestling term, got over by being mysterious and having a mystique, but at the same time. Danimal there is upset that Snoke was mysterious and had a mystique. So is there is there just them making us fans happy anymore? Is that part of what's going on? <laughs> we all want to like, uh, Let me speak to that a little bit. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not necessarily uh, you know disappointed that he had a mystique. Like yeah, the, the, I mean there's one, it's one thing to be to have a mystique about your character. It's another thing to be like the leader of the first order and have zero backstory. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. It's just, that's the, that's the one thing. Like, yeah, he's mysterious and that's great. But I mean, where did he come from? I don't, I don't get it, man. Like, <laughs> but, I don't but, know. 
like how much backstory did the emperor have in the original trilogy before the prequels? None. Like nothing. I guess that's true. Guess <laughs> he doesn't even true. show up until, I mean, not in person until the last movie. Yeah. Right. But like, and, and his backstory is basically just, yeah, he was a politician that rose to power. <laughs> yeah. You never really learned that much about it. Yeah. Just, really. Yeah. I mean, that would, but honestly, like for me with, in terms of Snoke, that would be enough. Just, you know, yeah, he was a, he was a politician or, or, you know, he got farted out of a Sarlacc or something. I don't know. Like just something, anything, whatever, something. <laughs> I think we're, I think we're more likely to see some backstory, uh, about Snoke through, um, some of the newer novels that are coming out. That'll likely be where you get his, his whole deal at. Oh, you're probably, you're probably right about that. Yeah. I mean, cause I guess they've been handing around him, um, What's what's the book series? I tried to read the first one and I couldn't. Aftermath. Uh, they've been kind of hinting around like about his background and about what happened to the Empire and the First Order. I just I don't know because you know part of me I was a little irritated in the Force Awakens when I go oh look it's space Nazis being led by a space wizard again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was just hoping that that there's this part of me that was just hoping that Snoke would be that big in real life. Like they go there and he's just like 30 feet tall. Well, he <laughs> judging off the size of his head. He'd have to be 12 feet tall, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping it'd turn out to be Clint Howard behind a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> For you Star Trek fans. Um, nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I guess we might as well d- dive into, let's stay with Snoke for a minute. Um, a love the fight scene, but wow, what a way to go, huh? Yeah. I, um, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. My feelings on that come out of like, cause I really love that part. Like I, I wanted to stand up and cheer during that whole thing. Um, because, and just, as a bit of context, like I'd had this conversation with a fellow Star Wars fan. He's a friend of mine. He's a lovely man. We just feel very differently about a certain subject in regards to Star Wars. Um, he had this whole theory that Jakku in, in Force Awakens was actually Endor. And that, you know, because there's these star destroyers that had crashed on the planet. And it was an oh, aftermath. Like, and so, saying, yeah. Yeah. So, like the radiation. Forested and stuff. Yeah, like the radiation had wiped out all the Ewoks, and instead of a forest moon, it was now a desert, and it's just Endor all over again. And I just remember thinking, God, please, no. Can we just not have Star Wars be like the same few characters going to the same couple of places over and over again? And uh, and after Force Awakens, people are saying, oh, man, there's going to be this huge scene where, you know, Snoke is going to come out, and we're going to learn all this stuff about him, and and – you know, there's going to be a big confrontation like at the end of Return of the Jedi. And then they just they just waste the guy. N- no pomp or circumstance. He's just dead. That's it. Yeah. Game over. And I just for some reason, I just really love that because it completely subverted my expectations, which were that we were going to just see more of the same. Um, that's kind of true of most of Force Awakens for me and why I liked it. Anyway, sorry to go on. No, no, that's quite all right. Because, you know, I came away from this the first time. I really had my head up my ass after I saw The Last Jedi the first time. I'm like, you know, obviously the new trilogy is a meta-commentary by a Star Wars movie about the Star Wars universe. Blah, 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 blah. No, you know what it is? <laughs> it's it's really simple. They went, hey, guys, let's make a new Star Wars movie. But let's make it, let's make the first one of them as much like the very first Star Wars movie as we can. And then we'll do something completely different. That's all it was. 
You know, there wasn't, it wasn't as high minded as, as everybody was trying to make it. And they weren't trying to bury, thank God, they weren't trying to bury so many internal references in that we find out that Darth Vader fist fought Greedo when they were little kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you though. I think, um, there's, there's definitely something to be said about like the, the mixing up of, of some of the themes, um, in, in The Last Jedi. Like, uh, uh, letting the past die, as Kylo Ren says. Like there's, there's, there was kind of a lot of that going on, and not just this one, but the, but the Force Awakens as well, where you know we lost Han, um, and and in this one we lost Leia, obviously, and uh, well, I mean, well, we didn't actually lose her in the movie, but um, yeah, we're yeah. probably gonna, we're probably gonna see something. I wonder how they're gonna handle that in, in the future movies. That's gonna be interesting to see, but. Um, yeah, uh, letting the past die was a good one. Um, you know, burning down the Jedi, uh, like the, that, you know, the Jedi text with the tree and all that stuff, and, and Yoda just saying, "Okay, we're done." You know, that was that was pretty cool. Um, so, like, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, where where it goes from here, you know, and and um, well, yeah, you know. I'll do a quick fill-in for Paul Vieira, who's, you know, he's deployed right now at the Air Force, but he's one of my regular broadcast partners. He said this movie actually gave Star Wars a future that it didn't have until now because it broke all the molds at the end and said, okay, it's a whole open universe with a brand new path ahead of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Chris, you're being uncharacteristically quiet. Did we catch you in a nap or something tonight? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I'm just uh, in, enjoying uh, other people's takes on the on the movie. Um, going back to the the, the scene with uh, uh, Snoke. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was out of left field for me. And then that whole fight scene with with uh, Kylo and Ray, I thought for sure, you know, that that was, I thought for sure she was gonna gonna turn him. Uh, like that for me that scene. I, I so like in the in the last movie obviously it was it was it was a almost shot for shot remake of 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 the old one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there wasn't a whole lot that happened in that film that you just weren't expecting. Like you kind of knew what was going on and what was going to happen. The this the that that scene with Snoke though for the first time in a long time you're surprised. I had no I, I had no idea what was going to happen and I was I was I was yeah, like I was surprised um, at the the outcome of it. Um. Here's the thing that I think is really interesting about the Last Jedi is we're talking about how much it blows up a lot of the old assumptions, but and it does. But thematically, in a lot of ways, it's and and how it differs from from Force Awakens because there's a lot of feeling that Force Awakens is is just a mirror of of a new hope. Mm-hmm. But I think in in a lot of ways. Uh, the Last Jedi is is a mirror of The Empire Strikes Back. Like structurally, it's very similar. Like they both begin with the Empire coming after the last of the rebels as they're fleeing their base. They both have this chase sequence in the middle act where everybody's trying to get away and they keep failing over and over at getting away. Um, and, and then we cut away to the Jedi character who's trying to find out where they belong in the universe and trying to find someone to teach them something. And then they find out they don't really have much to be taught or whatever. They come to some sort of realization and then they rejoin the group at the end. 
and they're still running away until they finally reach kind of a safe space. Like it's, it's really very similar, but like there's so much in it that's wildly mixed up from the rest of what we're used to seeing from Star yeah, Wars. And, and even that being said, there, there is the scene with uh, DJ and the betrayal, mm-hmm. which is, which is a little more, I mean, it, it's a Lando Calrissian like thing, but Lando, you know, flips the deck again. Um, mm-hmm. But for everything that does remind me of Empire, there are things that do not. Now, Daniel, I, I have to wonder now, you as a as a writer, is that mm-hmm. because there's only so many stories you can tell? You know what I mean? That there's only so many elements you can move and shift and do and things you can run with? Or do you think it was a more intentional thing? Well, I mean, if you when you have a trilogy, the second act is always going to be at least most of the time and like traditionally is going to be about the characters failures it's like they come to terms of something mm-hmm. um that they that they have to overcome and they don't overcome it in the second act they overcome it in the third act so um you know the 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 second chapter the second act of any story is always going to be about um someone coming off their initial confrontation and and being set back somehow and they get set back until they reach a turning point and then they then they go back and they win it all if you're you know talking about traditional like heroic storytelling mm-hmm. um so i think yeah exactly the hero's journey um so i think it's it's a little bound up that way but i think they were very deliberately trying to uh present the same sort of arc and same sort of tone because that's what star wars does essentially is kind of repeat itself it's kind of been doing that in video games and books and movies and every bit of media for since it's been out um, cause that's like George Lucas's thing is that the, all of the work kind of echoes the other work. Um, so yeah, I think, so a little, little bit of column A, a little of column B. Yeah. You're talking a little bit, I don't know if you guys ever saw about the ring theory that they were doing on Star Wars, mm-hmm. that is that if you flip the prequel mm-hmm. trilogy, not just back to front, but upside down, that there were actual story beats that met in the middle between the two as it went. Um, yeah, that was that was a pretty incredible thing, and I wasted a whole day of my life reading about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's get into some of the things that people bitched and complained about, and I'm going to open that by whoever wants to go first. What was the biggest complaint you had about this movie in general? Whether yeah, some of the dialogue for me was like super cheeseball, and and I don't know, like uh, uh. Just a lot of the dialogue was cheeseball, but I, but that's typical George Lucas, like starting from the prequels. Well, no, like starting from even, you know, the first, like all the, the Star Wars movies have somewhat cheesy dialogue, but I think, uh, but I think this last one, I think was a little bit more of a Disney influence with, uh, with regards to, you know, a lot of the, the sentiment and the, uh, the sentimentality, I guess, and like, and, you know, the, the, sappiness the lovey thing between rose and finn um i don't know man like that that was that was a little bit hard for me maybe i'm just getting curmudgeon in my old age but um, that's a possibility <laughs> that was that was probably my biggest complaint about for, about the whole thing for me for me it was the humor i just i thought the funny scenes were too funny even though Look, Empire Strikes Back had a lot of funny scenes, and I think it was a well-written and almost perfect sci-fi action movie. Okay. Uh, Chris, uh, how about you? Uh, you opened with Leia. What'd you, what did you? Where were you headed with that? <laughs> um, I, I, I didn't like, it, you know, especially after Carrie Fisher losing Carrie Fisher. Um, 
I, I didn't like the fact that she force willed herself from the vacuum of space back onto the ship. Like, I, I don't, I don't know why it rubbed me so wrong, but, um, I just feel like they should have just left her out there because I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't necessarily, um, important really to the rest of the movie. I think there's a lot of people um, that would agree with you, actually. And and that. then, I mean, and then and then you don't have to worry about um, not being able to bring Carrie Fisher back. Right, but I believe all the principal photography was over before Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, I think you might be I right mean, about that. Yeah, you're probably you're probably right about that. Um, I don't know. I I just thought, I I just thought um, it was cheesy, man, the way that they did that. Um. I, you know, I guess, I, I guess, you know, after losing, um, Han Solo and, and The Force Awakens, uh, like they did, um, they, I guess they wanted you to think that we were going to lose, uh, Princess Leia that way and, and then, you know, just bring her back from the brink or whatever. But, uh, I just, and maybe my thought would be different had Carrie Fisher not died. <laughs> um, but I, I just think yeah. that, um, they could have handled that a little differently. And, and maybe like you said, the, the principal photography was already over. So it would have been damn near impossible to, to go back and, and re-edit her out of the rest of the movie. But, um, that was the, that was really the biggest issue I had with the movie. Um, I did have some, some issues while watching it in the theater about the, the force projection stuff Kylo was doing. And then mm-hmm. especially the force projection that Luke did at the end. I'm still kind of not enjoying the force projection stuff that Luke did at the end, but um, given that they set it up throughout the the rest of the movie, I guess I can't I can't bitch about it too much. <laughs> I have to say that would have been a dark chapter for Luke. Like he comes back from from uh, his exile and all his friends are dead except for like Chewie. That would have been rough. Yeah. Yeah, especially oh. since Chewie was dead in the extended universe originally, but they brought him yeah. back. That's actually why they rewrote the uh, the extended universe. Because they knew that they could get everybody in for one more <laughs> movie, but you can put another guy in Chewie's suit, but uh, Harrison yeah. Ford doesn't want to keep acting. <laughs> right. Now, as I understood it, and you guys correct me if you heard something different, but the way I understood the way this is going to work was that The Force Awakens was Han Solo's movie. The Last Jedi was Luke Skywalker's movie, and the third movie was supposed to be Princess Leia's movie. So each one of them get to be the the heroic, whatever penult you know penultimate result of their character's life is in that film. And then with Carrie Fisher dying afterwards, it kind of left them in a spot where we had plans for this, so we can't kill Luke and Leia in the same story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the way it was explained. Did to we me. really get that? Did we really get that from Han Solo in, in The Force Awakens, though? Oh, yeah, he got to he got to take up his entire character had flipped and he became the Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Force Awakens. Huh. I guess I might have to rewatch that because I, I definitely That's didn't. That's not really what I got that. out of that either, actually. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, really? I mean, really, yeah, really. Yeah, no. Well, really, what's it, all I what's got it feel like for all... the three of you to be wrong together? <laughs> Once a scoundrel, always a scoundrel. I mean, like, like that's. I got that. You know, he Han was just up to his old tricks at the, you know, at the end of his yeah. life. At that point, I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, to say that he was an Obi Wan Kenobi type, 
like I didn't see him mentoring anybody. I didn't see him, you know, using the force in any sort of capacity. Oh, whoa, whoa, no, no, no. I'm not saying he was a Jedi. I'm saying he okay. fulfilled the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. His story and a new hope starts with the scene, basically the scene on the ship where Obi-Wan is talking about the force and he's over like making jack off faces towards Obi-Wan during the speech. Right. And, and <laughs> in this one, he starts winding up when he's telling, uh, uh, Poe, I'm sorry, Finn and Ray. It's all true. It's all true. Yeah. And that's where his story starts to wind out. And at that moment that he kind of flips and he becomes the alternate person. Now, it's a little backwards because he's trying to convert his son from the dark side back to the light. So there are differences in there. And, and you're right, Dan. He absolutely, being a scoundrel, caught up to him. That's, I mean, that's yeah. ultimately <laughs> what did him in. But, yeah. Right. I mean, for me, his role in that film was to um, complete Kylo Ren's turn to the dark side. Yeah. Which I, I don't feel like they did a they did a good job portraying that in um the last jedi because like i was saying uh, during that that fight after he killed snoke like there were times in that fight where i, I legitimately thought ray was going to turn him and he wasn't completely gone mm-hmm. but I, I you know at the same time i guess he was just saying whatever he could to get get ray to turn mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know to be perfectly honest i still don't think he is i i still think he is conflicted um i think that uh that there may there may yet be something to be seen between uh, between the dynamic between Kylo and Rey. Like I think there's there's a lot to be developed there, and I, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing how uh, how they which way they decide to go with it. Yeah, I, re- I really I really like the way they set that up though in this in the Last Jedi. Um, yes, me too. They're, yeah, they're they're back and forth. Um, that was the best part of the movie for me. Uh, just their back and forth, their interactions with each other. Yeah. That's what I really like about Kylo Ren as a villain is that he's very, so unlike uh, Darth Vader. I mean, Darth Vader had tons of, he had tons of swagger. He had lots of confidence, you know, like you could kind of, um, you know, want to be him a little bit as a villain, at least in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. I felt, um, and, and you don't get that from Kylo Ren at all. Like he's a coward. He's, he has no real principles that he won't betray when it suits him. You know, uh, he yeah. lies. He loses his temper. He has no self-control. He's all just ego and fear. And he's in this, by the end of the last Jedi, he's put himself in a position to have unbelievable resources at his, uh, at his disposal. And I think that makes him a really cool villain. Like nothing like Darth Vader. He's not cool the way. Yeah. He's not cool at all, but he's a yeah. he's a good villain. Like I, I love the moment in. Uh, sorry, no, it's okay. Uh, I love the moment in af- in the aftermath of that battle, where Hux comes in and he and he pull and he's just gonna shoot Kylo while he's down, <laughs> because he's like, no, we gotta handle it. We can't have this guy running wild, and then he's just a little too slow. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I kind of I kind of get the impression that uh, that Kylo Ren is more emo than he is villain, personally, but. That's just that's just me. Yeah, there, there's a there's a deck um, that used to get played a lot in Star Wars Destiny called Emo Twins, and it was him and um, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know though. Fear really? leads to anger, and anger leads to hate. So. 
we'll see we'll see how it goes in the next film i guess that was actually <laughs> I, that was kind of something i liked i liked about this was darth vader was what you'd almost call hyper competent at his job like he had everything planned out beyond most most normal moves you know he he knew where to expect him to come out of asteroid fields and he you know he <laughs> knew where to, he was professional <laughs> yeah and then and then kylo ren like you're saying is this kind of like just just like you know fucking whiny little brat who who's like i can't have it my way well then i'll destroy the computers in this room <laughs> what i yeah. loved what i loved though is in the first snoke throne room when he brings him in there and he basically calls him a Darth Vader cosplayer. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. No, no, but it was just like, just the way, cause like, you know, originally he was like put in the movie as like, you know, the new Darth Vader. And then you see him, you're like, well, I guess he's like Darth Vader in active wear, I guess. And then this one, the guy's just like, dude, get rid of that hat. You suck. <laughs> what's, what's, yeah, no, that's, but what's great about that, what I like about that, is that that does that changes Kylo Ren's character from that moment on. Like he listens to what Snoke says. He's like, "Look, stop trying to be Darth Vader. You're pathetic, Darth Vader. This is silly and stupid. Grow up." And then Kylo's like, "Oh, you know what? Maybe you're right." And then he smashes his helmet, and then he kills Snoke. Yes. So maybe Snoke should have kept his mouth shut. But uh, I don't know. Maybe. Well, and that was the other the other kind of cool thing was that uh, you know we were talking about them sharing sharing the vision. For, I want to make a side note on that. So when they're in touch with each other via the Force, that strong where they can see each other, Kylo Ren actually says to her, "Well, there's no way you could be doing this. The effort would kill you." So already setting up Force astral projection over a long range and how dangerous it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they both thought the other person was going to join them. The, yeah. Whatever vision they had, they both thought the other person was going to come to them and join. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice, yeah, a nice play on what we had come to expect, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I was saying. It, it, like, it makes up for it makes that uh, that that setup for you know the 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 next movie and like and how they're going to go with that. That's it's there, there's a great sort of ambiguity ambiguity there. That's uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Mm-hmm. I hope Abrams can stick the landing because he's not traditionally as as great at answers as he is at questions. Nope. Lost. <laughs> if we if we learned anything from Lost, that's what we learned. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so Star I'm Trek. Gonna, yeah, well, um, you know what? The first Star Trek movie he did was yes, pretty good. Agreed. It was genius and perfect. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, the second the second one was not. The second one was not. Um, we already have the best Star Trek movie ever made. We don't need somebody to remake it half asked for us. <laughs> yeah, we don't need. Hey, remember the other good Star Trek movie that yeah. existed? Yeah, not the one with the whales, but the other one. <laughs> that was my favorite one when I was a kid, man. The whales? Oh, it was the biggest uh, biggest money maker Star Trek ever did too. I think until oh, the newest yeah. movie. Where where Scotty's speaking into the the mouse yeah. computer? <laughs> Hello, computer. Yeah, that's some brilliant <laughs> stuff. Keyboard, how quaint. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead. We're going to hit on some things since we kind of talked about what we didn't like. I'm going to kind of pick at what some other people. Oh God, with here's the difference between me and most Star Wars fans is that I actually like the Star Wars movies. Um, <laughs> I, I sometimes think. <laughs> 
I sometimes I, I use that joke all the time. Um, but there, there are things that got kind of picked apart, and I want to kind of go. Uh, I'm going to use Crack's article called "Your Nagging Last Jedi Questions Answered" to kind of pick a couple of these out of. Awesome. I In this, actually read that. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Um, in the movie, uh, the the they're not called rebels. Where are they? The resistance, resistance are are yeah. barely getting away, and Poe is fighting with the admiral who's taking command while Leia is laid up. Uh, resulting in them evacuating the last large capital-sized ship they had and her putting it into light speed and slamming it into Snoke's capital ship. Uh, they, the question they have here is, why doesn't everybody do that? And I want to say it's because it would be really expensive to take ships full of people and equipment and slam them into the en- enemy constantly. Chris, you have a little little background with boat repair, a ship repair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, one of our submarines recently hit um, hit a underground under, underwater mountain, and it, it it did a bunch of damage. And the repairs on that were in the millions of dollars. Um, and that they were able to put that that ship back or that boat back in service. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. I mean, it's it would be the same thing. Like you know, back in the like the golden age of piracy, why didn't everybody just run their ships into each other instead of firing cannons. Yeah. I mean, because ship ships repair expensive. is it's expensive <laughs> and like, you don't want to, you don't want to kill a ship full of people that are fully trained to operate and, and repair your vessels. <laughs> yeah. That was one to me that when people started pointing this, I'm like, well, why don't they do that all the time? I'm like, because there is an really? economy. There is an economy in this universe. There is well, money. <laughs> yeah. Also because, 90 or, you know, what, 120 minutes of staring at a silent space graveyard. Isn't that exciting? I don't know. Did you see 2001 <laughs> A Space Odyssey? <laughs> You're talking to the wrong guy. Oh, that's that. right. Well, it's, it's the best boring uh, best boring sci-fi movie ever made. Yeah, no disagreement here. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a space graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, just, it just wouldn't make any economical sense to do that. Hardly ever. I mean, I, I thought it was the right move in, in the film, for sure. Oh, absolutely. It was it was a move born out of desperation. Absolutely. I, yeah. I didn't have any, any problems at all with that scene. Yeah. I, you know, my wife would sit there and tell you for two hours why Laura Dern shouldn't have been cast, but she was okay with that method of uh, breaking the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this for Laura Dern. She looks pretty much exactly the same as she did in the Jurassic Park days, which I thought was pretty surprising. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go to Blue Velvet. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, if, if such a movie existed. <laughs> no, I, I used Jurassic Park as the reference because I just saw it again on cable yesterday. So. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that, that's my, my immediate frame of reference for you. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, anybody else? I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. I was just going to say, I, I love the back and forth between her and Poe. <laughs> well, good. Oh, yeah. Cause, cause that's yeah. where I'm going next. Right why on. didn't, why didn't Holdo? Yeah. Why didn't Holdo tell Poe her plan? Cause she didn't have, she didn't have to. Yeah. I was going to say, cause, like, cause rank exists. Chain of command. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, there's, there's such a thing called the chain of command and, you know, any, any good military will have one. And if they don't, they break down. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're gonna like, if if you're gonna look at it this way, um, a, a pilot, uh, 
you know, you, if you're flying planes, you're, you're an 01, 02, 03, one of the lower level officers. And then you get to the commander of the boat who's, I don't know what it is for the Navy. I assume that the, the rank structure works the same on a spaceship. It did in Battlestar. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you, you know, you're talking about, uh, the, the commander of the, of the ship being a 06, 07. There's a, there's a, there's a lot, there's a, there's a real big gap in between a, a lowly pilot and, uh, you know, the commander. <laughs> so <laughs> th- yeah, I, I agree that there'd be, he didn't, he didn't need to know her plan. Like, dude, just shut up and go back to the hangar bay and get ready to, 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 to fly planes. Cause that's what right. you do. You let <laughs> right. me do this. You go do you. <laughs> <I'll> do <me. laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. A, narratively speaking too, I think. I mean, beyond beyond the logic of it, I think that moment has to exist for Poe to kind of come to his moment of self-realization. Like that was kind of like the whole thing with Poe. We were talking earlier about our biggest gripes, and mine is is really personal because I love Poe. Like I like any like the Starfighter pilot, you know, the the, the Ace pilot jock. That's going to be my favorite character in pretty much any Star Wars movie. And he was it. And in Force Awakens, I love seeing him do his stuff. And then in Last Jedi, they gave him a little bit at the beginning, and then he, it's like the wrong move, and then they knock the pins out from under him, and they blow up his starfighter, and he's just got to rely on his own internal character for the rest of the movie. And I both loved and hated that because they took away what I liked most about the character, which was him being awesome at flying ships. Um, but then you get to kind of see what he's made of when he comes up against Holdo, which I really liked. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if if I was in charge of something and I had some guy that much lower than me going, you have to tell me what I what I, what we're doing. I'd be like, go peel some potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we have to do. Is you you need to get a big glass of shut up and get out of my face. You know. <laughs> in fact, why are you even on my bridge, bro? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> There's no way Captain Picard would have put up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Nope, I don't not, think I don't think so. Yeah, not yeah. one. I think bit. it would have been a it would have been a similar result actually. Right. Um, well, let's see here. I'm, I'm, uh, oh, okay. So the casino mission was it a failure? What did you guys think of that? Because when I first saw it, it looked like like a, a B plot that maybe should have been cut out. But I have made peace with it. Um, but I want to hear what you guys think. I feel like I want to go last because I have. I have some things to say about it, so I'll just I'll be quiet for now. Sure thing. Well, let's have Danimal chime in on this one All if right. he's got. I'll, yeah, I'll chime in. Um, yeah, the casino scene was was an interesting in the in the sense that like it was kind of a um, there, there's kind of a parallel there between you know like the 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 ultra rich of of America. You know, versus, you know, the, the people in this casino that like that sell weapons to both sides. And that. there's there's something to be said for for that sort of paradigm um, that was then it, it kind of built up a like a like I hate poor people type of a type of a mentality or I hate rich people. That's that's what I meant. Like, um, you know, the heroes are like, look at all these rich people. They kind of suck. And and how they made their money is deplorable. And um you know, which is probably true, um, but I, I I thought that was a that was an interesting dynamic, like a, as far as like a like a, a political commentary. You know what I mean? From a from a Star Wars movie, I thought there was a, there's some there's some parallels there that you can make. 
it's weird to see Star Wars try to do shades of gray because normally it's a black and white universe. (laughs) And here, here they tried to show a little nuance and I'm like, I don't know if this is your strong point, Star Wars universe. Maybe, uh, (laughs) maybe focus on something else a little bit there. Um, Chris, why don't you go ahead and say yours and then I'll, I'll kind of throw mine out and then we'll let, uh, Daniel tell us what his take on this is. (laughs) I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It, Um, my, my biggest beef with that is, is Rose, um, you know, letting that one animal go. Mm hmm. And, it's it's they they made it out to be this big thing, but I'm just sitting there like, you just let the one go and they're they're tailing you already. They're gonna bring it back, like they they're gonna just bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a pyrrhic victory there. Yeah. So, but even even if they don't, this thing has lived in captivity. Yeah. What are it the chances it's gonna survive in the wild? Yeah. It doesn't know how to buy a sandwich. <laughs> well, I mean that's that actually is pretty consistent with like with the um the the impulsivity of of those characters in general like they're they're at least playing to to their uh to their characters so to speak like you know acting impulsive and being impulsive that's definitely something that they that she would do as mm-hmm. an impulsive person so like, that's fair kudos to that and kudos to you know to the writers for for keeping it consistent yeah, that's that's good. Um, so when I first saw it, I was really bothered by this whole thing. And then it was uh, again Paul Vieira who goes, "Well, if you if you slice it up in a different way, and say we had to take Poe from getting ready to run away, or I'm sorry, Finn from getting ready to run away again, to becoming the guy who says no, I'm rebel scum, you have to have this little story arc in there. Mm-hmm. You have to have something that moves him from A to B." And this is the, the whole, the whole point of this. There were two things accomplished here. DJ, and the DJ stands for don't join, tries to t- give him the, set up the choice for him. You, you don't have to choose between the two. You can stay neutral. Mm-hmm. And also somebody had to reveal to the first order what the, um, resistance plan was for escape. Those two things are accomplished in here. Now, is it a little messy outside of that? Yes. But it accomplishes those two things in a really perfect way. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, again, not not that wasn't my argument. That was Paul Vieira's, but it's the one I look at now and go, "That's I think that's the right lens with which to look at it." Mm-hmm. That's fair. It's a totally fair thing to say. Yeah. Um, all right, Daniel Swinson, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, that actually that actually touches on. That, that's I agree with that argument, and that actually touches on what I was going to say, was that, um, first of all, like, yeah, that, their mission does fail. Like, they don't get what they want. But that's all of Last Jedi. Nobody really gets what they want very much in Last Jedi. Kylo doesn't get Rey to join him. Rey doesn't get Kylo to join her. They don't really beat – I mean, they get away at the end, but they don't – like they're just paying for every single second of victory that they had. Um, and they're, and the mission that they, that they have fails. Like it's all fruitless. They try really hard and they don't mm-hmm. get anywhere, which is, mm-hmm. which is thematically just fits in with everything else. But not yeah, like you say, where they, they take incredible losses on the way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like unlike other star Wars movies, their big plan. That's just so crazy. It just might work. Does not work. It just turned out yeah. to be terrible. Um, 
But what I like about what about like about the Kendall Blight plot is that it's basically uh, Finn's Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru moment. Like before that, there's another deleted scene that they took out, which I honestly can't believe that they that they erased it. Which is where Finn is talking to Poe, and he's like, "Look, I don't know who you think I am, but I just kind of fell into this whole resistance thing, and I'm not into it. I am leaving." And Poe's like, "No, you got to stay." He's like, "No, I don't. I'm I'm going." And you know, and he has this whole moment with Rose where she gets he has her hero worship that gets spoiled when she finds out who he really is, and then she goes and and takes him to they go to Kanto fight together, and he kind of learns why he wants to fight like in, in, the, in the beginning he's kind of like luke in a new hope he's saying you know look i don't i hate the empire but there's nothing i can do about it right now and then you know by the end he's like okay well we're gonna we're gonna fight the Empire because i don't have anything left I, I need something to fight for i need something to believe in and canto bite is kind of where rose shows him something worth fighting for which is uh a positive thing instead of a negative thing like he, she's saying let's save the things we love like the 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 space horse, um, the Fathi or whatever they're called, um, <laughs> instead of instead of blowing up something that we don't like. Um, and what I like about that is that that Finn kind of has to earn his good guy status um, because it's assumed in so many other Star Wars stories that you know, well, he's he's a good guy. He's going to do the right thing regardless of a whole bunch of outside stimulus because he's good and it's a pulp story and that's what good guys do in pulp stories. Like that's what I loved about the character of DJ is because I don't feel he's like Lando necessarily. He strikes me as more as like mirror universe Han Solo. He's like the guy you go, oh, well, you know, he, he'll, he's not going to take the money and run. Like who believed in A New Hope that Han Solo was just going to take his big boxes of money on the Millennium Falcon and just leave and no one would ever see him again. Like, you know he's the smuggler with a heart of gold. He's going to come back. Mm -hmm. um, but DJ takes the money and leaves and then, you know, gives you a little flippant speech at the end about what a sucker you were for believing him in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, so yeah, that, what I liked about that plot is that is that Finn earns it. Like he doesn't just go, Oh, I'm a good guy and I'm going to do the right thing. Like he's, he starts out being like, no, I'm getting out. And then he turns around. And I like that, that, that kind of spanned two films. Like when he didn't come to that moment in force awakens, he got close, but then he has like sort of a self doubt moment. Mm -hmm. And, and then it really comes home at the end of the, the whole Canto bite thing. So that's why I like it. Yes. I think that fits quite well with what uh, Paul's initial thesis was on it as well. Um, so let's see here. We should probably start wrapping up soon. Is there any, or any themes or scenes or anything that we missed that you guys want to talk about specifically before we talk about the possible future starting from here? I love the graphics, man. I really love that crystal cavern chase scene. That, like, oh it, yeah. It really, oh man. I was like, that was one of the best scenes in the movie for me. It, it really, um, you know, it brought me back to like, you know, the speeders in, in return of the Jedi and like in, Going into the to the the second Death Star and stuff, it was like that same type of intensity. I love that stuff, man. Love it. It's great, great. I love that we had a lot of great creature design and alien design in this one. That's something I felt was really missing from Force Awakens. Is they're just boring humans everywhere. Like yeah. like the, like Han Solo is facing off against two different smuggler groups, and like we can't have any awesome aliens anywhere in the mix. Like what was that? Yeah. That's actually but, uh, a good, another another good thing about Canto Bite was uh, was the the alien mix in that as well. Yeah. So yeah, right on. 
Um, all right. Yeah. You know, I agree with you because I did feel like the force awakens. Well, we did get a few alien shots. It all seemed to be humans or the, uh, the new camel looking aliens that the, uh, resistance. <laughs> were with. Yeah. I, I don't know their name. That's the only reason I describe them that way. But I, um, I, I do feel like there was a certain lack of depth that even a new hope had back 40 years before, you know, tough bar to, to raise i think it, yeah. it really is you know and maybe that's the thing you just kind of go well we can't outdo it so don't even try it, you know? <laughs> right well you know and i think a lot of that has something to do with your perspective too i mean like you're you're never gonna you're never gonna see that sort of an impact upon you as you were back then as a child you know what i mean like nothing's gonna yeah. be like quite as cool as it was back then you know and i think like i think going forward you know the, these movies these new movies that come out are, are for you know the, the future generations to feel that same feeling that we all felt back in that day you know what i mean mm-hmm. like i think that's that's important to remember oh totally it's and that's what's great about that final shot too is that opens that up like explicitly yeah. right on absolutely um yeah so that's that's my initial feeling now i'm gonna i'm gonna make a statement and see if you guys agree with it um, where I felt like we left off with this movie is that basically the first order has had, I mean, it won, but it costed a lot to do it. So it's kind of got its ass kicked and is basically at its own starting point. And the resistance is kind of back to zero. What are there? 14 members left? Something like that. Some crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some crazy so well, they have out. like, they have like allies that they've called in from other places. So it's not clear. Uh, what that's going to look like, but at least yeah. they have some friends in the guys. Well, they got they got allies that like send their message to voicemail. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Don't take they, that they, call. They got, a, they got a serious leadership reorganization on their hands yep. as well. So. <laughs> well, so yeah. so my my question is the the Sith are gone, the Jedi are gone. There are no right. connections to any of that past. The rebellion's gone. The uh, Empire's gone. The Senate is gone. You know, the the Republic is gone. The First Order is basically licking its wounds. Are we starting with a fresh new Star Wars universe besides a few holdover characters? Are we kind of at a clear, like the, the board is laid out, but no pieces are in play from the past anymore. Everything going on now is going to be different. I hope so. I think <laughs> probably, but yeah, like, like I think, I think yes, I want to say yes, because I, I really, really hope so. Uh yeah. But I guess, I mean, ultimately it remains to be seen, you know, like they can't, uh, they can't abandon a bunch of, you know, a bunch of canon entirely, obviously, but you know, well, I guess it, it really does remain to be seen, but I, I remain hopeful personally. Yeah. I feel like it depends on whether or not JJ Abrams is going to stick the landing on this one. Like, like there's, there's a bunch of like canon, like blowing up of canon that I really like in this movie. And I feel like there's a chance they may roll some of it back a little bit in the third one. Which is going to personally probably disappoint me, but I, you know, I, I, I see it as a little bit inevitable. Like we we're talking about Ray's heritage, and I, you know, and I was like really excited. I was like, no, she's not anybody. She's not a Skywalker. She's not a Kenobi. She's just somebody who's sensitive with the Force, which means that 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 can belong to anybody. And I feel like there's a chance that they might pull back from that at the last minute and be like, no, you were special because of your bloodline after all, which is not really going to be my my bag, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Cause they yeah. beat that drum enough. Look, Luke originally started off as a farm boy from nowhere who could, you know, become a hero. And then with the revelation of Anakin Skywalker, he became a genetic superhuman. 
I think you need to be yeah. careful when dealing with that story. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. True. Um, so, I mean, is that, I mean, what else do you guys think? Where, where are we headed? Is it going to jump forward in time? Where do you think the next movie will pick up? Let's go with you, Chris. Um, I hope it doesn't jump forward in time. I, I want, I wanted to pick up pretty much where we left off. Um, there's still, I still want to see what happens. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the, um, not the rebellion, the, um, the resistance has got us back to the wall. And like you said, the, 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 the first order is licking its wounds. Um, I mean, I guess I could see them doing a film where some time has passed to give, uh, everything a, a nice reset to, 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 to build back into an, an epic type movie. But, um, I, I'm just going to say, I don't know. And I, I, I don't, I don't have too many, um, I'm just interested to see what happens, man. That's all. <laughs> like, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to, I'm trying to curb my expectations, um, by a lot so I can just walk in the theater without any, many preconceived notions and just enjoy a new Star Wars movie that's hopefully good. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear that. I can take that, man. Yeah. Danimal, what do you think? What, what are we looking at next? Uh, it's hard to say, man. I think, um, I think they can't really jump like too far ahead in time because we really need to see, you know, some sort of resolution between what's happening between Kylo and Ray. Um, they, we also need to see, you know, some sort of uh, some sort of resolution about what they're going to do about the death of Carrie Fisher, um, whether they're going to try to CGI some some of her old bits or like facial. They went on record like saying that. they're not going to. Okay, perfect. Then then. That's going to be interesting to see. Um, I want to see what what how they decide to resolve that that whole issue there. Um, so I think it, I think it's going to be relatively soon as far as the time frame uh, of when they decide to pick up the story back up. Um, at least I, I sincerely hope that that's the case. Yeah, Mr. Swenson, how about you? Um, well, I feel like it's really. Um, like Danimal said, I think it's really going to, everything is going to come down to the dynamic between Kylo and Rey. I think everything else is ultimately a little bit window dressing. Like I think we're going to get a backdrop that's going to be a little reminiscent of Return of the Jedi. Hopefully not too reminiscent. Like I don't want to, I'm hoping we're not getting like, okay guys, there's an even bigger super weapon yeah. and it sucks <laughs> like 12 suns into the engine. And then, you know, I like, I, I, I just, I'm hoping not. I feel like there's a decent chance that we're going to get something like that. But, um, but that's all going to be like the backdrop. That's all going to be like who's going to win the big space, you know, space war, the Star War. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, before Carrie Fisher passed, I would have said, I would have speculated that the third movie is about her doing what Han couldn't, like basically saying, you know, Kylo, come home. Just, turn away from all this because I, I feel like obey your mother <laughs> exactly Kylo, you <laughs> <are surrounded. laughs> um like uh like i, I think we're going to see him like now that he's uh, you know killed his master and he has the 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 potential to really cause some destruction like we're going to see him getting more and more monstrous and then i was my my speculation has been that Carrie, like Princess Leia, brings him home and says, "Okay, you know, turn 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 away from this path," and he does. Um, but with her gone, I think that 
um, may fall to to Ray to try to turn him from the dark side. And I feel like because of what we've seen thematically set up, like between Rose and Finn and her statement, it's not about destroying what we hate, but saving what we love. Um, I don't think I don't think Ray loves Kylo Ren, and I sure hope not because he's terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think she's going to. I think she's, we're going to see her successfully turn him from that path, at least for a minute. And maybe he falls on some kind of metaphysical grenade and saves the day with a self-sacrifice, kind of like Darth Vader did. Um, that would be my guess. But I'm kind of terrible at speculating on where stories are going to go. <laughs> so I don't know. No, that's all right. And, and I think it's, you know, if there's one thing that the uh, the fan speculation videos on YouTube taught me is we don't know shit. Yeah. Um, I do want to run an idea past you guys before, uh, we, uh, drop all our web, uh, web links and all that to everybody. How about Kate Mulgrew plays, uh, General Leia in the next movie? Oh, man. As much as I love Kate Mulgrew, I do love her. I mean, she's, you know, oh, God, Voyager. I don't feel they should do that, but if they they absolutely had to, she's the pick. For yeah. sure. I would rather see that before a CG uh, character all day long. Yeah. To be I, perfectly honest, like, I, I can't. I, I, I think like I think Carrie Fisher is like way too central to the character for anybody else to be able to play her at this point. I mean, she's been she's been involved in too many movies and been here too long to have it have it just you know pick up with somebody else. Yeah, like say like say having somebody else play Captain Kirk or Mister Spock. It's like it's like the same yeah. reason they retire Mickey Mantle's jersey. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it, nobody else can pick and can wear those shoes. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. I think they if they if they tried, there'd be a, a humongous backlash. No, I think you're probably right. I'm just always curious about that. All right, guys. Well, thank you for uh, joining me to talk the Last Jedi. Anybody want a last word on this before we uh, sign off? Porks are awesome. Okay, there you go. I heard they're quite well, quite well done when roasted. <laughs> that was my wife's favorite part of the film was the porgs. Yeah, so I'm I'm tired of hearing about porgs. To be honest with you, they were not as bad as the Ewoks, however. <laughs> oh, you know what I do want to talk about real quick. Hold on, before we go, my favorite Yoda was back. Crazy puppet Yoda oh, yeah. was back. Yeah, I don't know how we almost hermit Yoda. I don't know how we almost got away without that, but Crazy Yoda was back, and he can control the weather. And Ray stole the (laughs) Jedi books before they burnt the tree down. (laughs) Yes, I loved everything about that. Yeah, Yeah. I forgot all about those things. Those are like some of the biggest moments in the movie, and we I forgot all about them. Didn't even bring them up. Good job, Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. Way to way to read your own notes, Jeremy. Yes. Turn in your turn in your nerd card. Jeez. Yeah, That's funny is I don't even have my own anymore. I'm borrowing somebody else's these days. <laughs> All right, Chris, if people want to find you on the interwebs or listen to your podcast, where can they go? Yeah, I've got all my um all my shows I'm doing right now under onlyhopegaming.com. Um the WordPress multi-site is a pain in the butt, but um, I got it working. Uh, yeah, and if you're interested in Star Wars Destiny, I hope to have um, our new batch of alternate arts up here in the next couple weeks. And we've already started working on alternate arts for the upcoming set. So, um, yeah, onlyhopegaming.com is where you can check me and all my shows and stuff like that out. Awesome. Danimal, you said you had a show coming up. Where's that at and how can people find yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's called the Julian Blues Bash. It's in Julian, California. I'll be I'll be playing up there with uh, with the band that I'm in. They're called the McCoy Brothers, and uh, that's going to be happening June 16th uh, up in Julian, California. There's uh, pretty sure if you Google it, you can find. Uh, it's been happening for this is going to be the 20th annual Julian Blues Bash. So it's it's uh, it's going to be somewhere on the interweb. You can find it. Awesome. We'll we'll, we'll find a it. we'll find a link too, and we'll put it in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Yeah, and Daniel Swenson, if people want to read some of your writings, where can they find you at? Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Surly Muse, and if you want to check out our books, they're all available at EmpireCityAdventures.com. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I always love talking Star Wars. Uh, every, everybody else, you can catch us at geekishcast.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. We are on Blog Talk Radio, but you're going to have to Google that because that's hard to get around in, and I'm not going to try to give that out. Uh, I tweet from at the geekishcast. Way to keep it consistent, Jeremy. It's way to go. Uh, be a promoter and all that. <laughs> I am on Instagram, but all I do is share pictures of beer and dogs and maybe cosplay girls. Uh, that's pretty much it. Those are the best things that, in life right there. Yeah, isn't that what Instagram's for? I believe exactly. so. I believe so. All right, guys. You're Instagramming, right? I am. You're doing it right. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. And uh, all right, everybody, thank you again. And uh, everybody else, bye-bye. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Cool. Bye. Bye.